The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, everyone. I'm broadcasting live this week from San Antonio, Texas, uh, while Keith is holding down the fort in Lehigh Valley. On our show today, we have another Texan, Sherry Elliott-Yeary. Uh, we're talking about one of everyone's favorite topics, millennials. Uh, if you're a baby boomer or Gen X, you're going to want to stick around, hear what we got to say. And if you're a millennial, well, welcome to your safe zone. No bashing allowed down here. And uh, we can't leave uh, out the Gen Z, Generation Z. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, what all these different generations with uh, our generational guru, uh, Sherry elliott Yuri. Uh, so welcome to the conversation and apologize in advance uh, for getting for, for, to all the millennials for uh, they seem to get blamed for everything. So again, you got a nice safe space there. Uh, we've got a great show, so stick with us. Thanks too, to our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. You'll hear more about them during our break. Uh, or you can visit our website, geekskeezersgoogleization.com, and uh, click on the icons for each of them and see what they got to offer. Uh, before we get to Sherry, I got a, big, a few big announcements. Uh, first, recruitment marketing for the Accidental Recruiter is officially live. Uh, we're accepting students. We got already got quite a few people enrolled, and uh, we're taking, uh, if you take advantage of an early bird discount, we're offering 50% off the enrollment to the first 50 students. Uh, you can learn more about the course by going to Success Performance Solutions and clicking on the button right at the top of the page that uh, talks about candidate experience. Or if you got your smartphones or tablets handy, you can text RM4AR. That's Recruitment Marketing for Accidental Recruiter. That's RM4AR to 64600. RM4AR to 64600. Use the code EARLYBIRD50 and you get that discount. Um, Monday, this is a travel week. Monday, I was at, in Dover, Delaware for the Delaware SHRM. I want to congratulate them on hosting a fantastic conference. Uh, we had a great day. We had a full room. They had to move us uh, from a smaller room to the bigger one. Uh, I apologize to the other speakers. I think we overwhelmed them. Uh, Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, uh, Keith. I don't know if you saw the picture I posted up on um, LinkedIn, but it was a really massive room, and uh, that was great. And uh, after attending 25 SHRM conferences over about the last 15 months, I got to say, they do a great job. It was, it was just a fun event, friendly people um, all around. It was good. And uh, today I'm down in uh, San Antonio, as I said, at the uh, ASG conference. That's affiliated staffing group. Uh, a lot of staffing companies are down there talking about the same things employers are, believe it or not. Uh, candidate experience. And our topics this morning was about ghosting. 
Uh, and uh, so every, everybody's having a problem with that. And tomorrow I'm talking about artificial intelligence and technology and the future of staffing and HR. Uh, right after the show, I'm presenting a webinar on cracking the curiosity code. Uh, easiest way to get there is just go to brighttalk.com and uh, 2.30 Eastern time. Uh, it's live. It's free. So hopefully I'll see you there too. Keith, nice. I know you've been pretty busy as well. you got a lot of things rocking and rolling. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely laid off of the traveling uh, component of all this stuff. But yeah, the, um, you know, th it's amazing what happens when you start talking to people about the value of human capital. Life work integration has put me in front of several people that now I'm in a position where, Ira, one of the real interesting elements that I'm seeing evolve is this new and improved financial reporting concept that's, uh, you know, it's essentially bringing light to the idea that it's about time that organizations quantify the value of their human capital. And I'm seeing a whole lot of changes going on inside the industry, talking to a whole lot of really, really smart people and uh, inside both the HR tech and get this, the financial valuation communities. Because what it boils down to is, what are we doing with all this HR stuff where we're trying to make the company better, we're trying to make everyone happier, more productive, but how does that translate to actual dollars? And I know we got a couple guests coming up on the show later on the year that it's just going to be, it's just wild to see where, where the rabbit hole is taking me. So, yeah, lots well, of crazy you know, we talk so much about metrics and, and it's certainly, uh, you know, whether it's about uh, recruitment and, and, you know, the cost of hiring or time to fill or quality of hire. I mean, there's all, you know, we, we talk so much about that or retention, uh, tenure engagement. Um, but the, and, and a lot of that's just not been tied. I mean, people have tried for years to tie that to the finances, um, but it's not been. But now they're, they're actually, you know, what you're working on. And it's so true. Uh, people are, are not, not that we want to put a dollar value on everything that HR does, but, um, you know, people drive the business and, uh, and um, everybody needs to, to be a better manager, better leader, uh, better focused and identify you know, not we, we can't do these random trainings and, and random hirings and just try another job board, buy another piece of software. Um, we, we've got to look at what the investment is and uh, is it is an investment. I mean, finally, yeah. I think they're talking about HR as, as or human capital as an investment um, that uh, reaps rewards for the organization and the people within it. So and good stuff. Here's the real fun part for a guy like me. The, for the most part, the entire human resource technology industry relies on being able to have somebody inside of an organization be their champion so that they would purchase their software. And the challenge that they have, historically speaking, and we've talked about this plenty on the show, is how HR does not have the training and the, and the experience to vet, buy, implement, deploy, and manage change as it relates to software. And so now there are two big dots that are now coming to be connected based off of a need, right? What do they say? Uh, creativity is the mother of necessity or necessity is the mm -hmm. mother of creativity, right? Invention. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really wild to be in the middle of it. And with the, the uh, HROI project, you know, the software that we're building, we're literally working with you know, a half a dozen, maybe more right now, uh, HR tech companies that are realizing that they need help quantifying their value. Mm -hmm. oh, and so absolutely. here we've got the platform for it. 
Yeah, so, and, and even this morning, I mean, I thought of you, one of the closing slides from one of the uh, other presenters, I was on the panel, uh, you know, he showed, uh, I guess there were like 10 bullets of different different software was out there, and everybody's jotting the name down, and I'm thinking is, you know, we just spent, it was about an hour and a half presentation, we spent about the first hour, you know, talking about all the different aspects, and each time we would ask, who's measuring that, uh, you know, what are you doing, what are your best practices, and there was no, there was no strategy, uh, it was sort of yeah. random, uh, there were a couple tactics that people did, uh, you know, a couple cute things, or they purchased this, or they did that, or, or you know, they tried a career fair, or, I mean, but it was all random hit or miss, and you just can't do that anymore. So we, well, we can talk about that forever, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and all things considered, it doesn't get any better on the actual vendor side. Oh, absolutely so these, not, yeah. These vendors send their sales force globally, and they give them no, no cannons, no weapons, no, no, nothing to help the buyer, and right. all that's changing. And here yeah, we they are. talk about it as an investment, but they don't give them any tools to, to talk about what the return is. So, right. uh, other than right. somewhat uh, generalization or one other company reap that benefit, but that doesn't mean they will either. So we, we can talk about that all day long, but we've got a great guest today. And uh, again, we were talking, the topic started out about ghosting and right off the bat, we had to put a squelch to, to um, you know, a lot of people talking about the millennials, you know, it's, it's bad work ethic. People just don't want to work anymore. Went down in the elevator with somebody and they, they said, what, you know, what were you here for a conference? Uh, talking about recruiting. Oh, it's so far hard to find people. Young people just don't have good ethic. Uh, so we're going to be talking a lot about millennials, uh, especially with uh, Sherry. Uh, so Sherry's the author of Ties to Tattoos. I love that title because one of the chapters in my prior book, I don't know if Sherry knows this, uh, it was uh, Tattoos, Flip Flops, and I'm trying to remember what the other one was. I wrote it about 11 years ago, but um, it, it, th at that time it was sort of a bashing um, <laughs> of, of millennials. Uh, and as you may know, for those who've heard me, I, I sort of self-proclaim myself as a recovering millennial basher. So she's got uh, uh, ties to tattoos. Uh, it's now in its second edition. Uh, you can have it all and just just not all at once. Uh, which is a woman's journey on the corporate ladder, and the newest series, um, first book is out, second one's coming, we'll, we'll be hearing about that, is Crack the Millennial Code. Um, she hosts uh, Sharing with Share on iTunes, iHeartRadio, similar to us, and is a, a featured contributor on a lot of other radio shows and publications. So welcome, Sherry, to Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. <laughs> Thank you so much, and I, re I do remember that that part of your book, by the way. Good. Good. I don't know I if that's do. good or bad. <laughs> so, no, I do actually yeah. remember that, and, and it made a lot of sense to me. I think I actually did a, a speech for a, a law firm, and we called it flip-flops or something like in the office. So it was kind of a playoff of what you were talking about. So yeah, yeah it's, it's still a stage. In I mean, that was 2008, 2009 uh, was when I published it. And uh, again, at the time, it was, you know, that was the big concern. You know, people showing up for flip-flops and T-shirts and tat with, with tattoos and piercings. Um, you know, now it's still flip-flops are still maybe, uh, depending on the environment, in, in, in tech environments and professional places, maybe flip-flops isn't the thing. But, you know, certainly tattoos and piercings uh, has, has uh, been, you know, accepted just like long hair and you know in in the 60s and 70s when when it started uh, or even facial hair um I, I remember uh you know companies wouldn't hire people if you had facial hair even a mustache i'm not talking just unshaven look i'm talking a mustache uh or you know or a beard or a goatee even it was even if it was uh, uh manicured for that so sherry um 
I, I got to ask you this question. Last week we talked with Matt Charney, uh, and and he started out by saying, I don't even know why we're still talking about candidate experience, because that was our topic. So I've got to ask you, I mean, I've got my opinions, but why are we still talking about millennials? Because people are looking at them in a negative way, and it's still a negative con, um, conversation. And that's the main reason I decided to do Crack the Millennial Code, because one, I have three millennials as children. Um, and so I was looking at it going, you know what, I thought I was moving out of the generational space after Ties to Tattoos has celebrated its 10 years of being on the shelf. And I went, I can't, because we're still not having positive, productive conversations and changing the workplace to embrace millennials. So I so went to the drawing board. Okay, so everybody's on the same page, um, it, you know, because there's no exact numbers. But when we talk about millennials, what are, what, what? chronological years are using are you using to define them yeah i usually go by how old they are each year because people seem to understand that better so right mm -hmm. now approximately 22 to 38 right yes so it, that's, it, that's similar I, I usually say like 22 to 40 or so yeah. which is crazy because people say oh no we're not talking about them we're talking about kids in high school or it's so hard to get kids in college so you know and i apologize to the gen z because they're getting blamed for the millennials as well um, you know, millennials seem to have gotten dumped on, whether it's the economy, whether it's the job market, um, you know, whether it's your 14-year-old your neighbor kid, uh, they're somehow still called millennials and they get bashed. Uh, and uh, again, they're, you know, that's Generation Z just for anybody who's uh, asking what's the, what's the next generation following them. <laughs> Sherry, let me, let me jump in here. Maybe I, just because I, I, I'm sitting here wondering how it's possible at all that people haven't changed the way they think about millennials. Can you give me a little bit of, of, of depth to what what's really going on out there? Um, you know, I just see this massive, a massive movement, a massive opportunity. We talk about needing to reskill and retrain employees. And from my perspective, a 28-year-old beats a 48-year-old almost all the time in terms of willingness to learn new things. And it seems like the perfect strategic opportunity. Uh, what, what's going on out there with, the, with this resistance to just embrace and, and, and go forward? Yeah, what I see still is, is when I'm speaking, and I, I love to look at the um, organizations that ask me to come in because their demographic usually tells me what the challenge is and where they are. And it's typically baby boomers are still not totally out of the workplace. And so they're the ones who are saying, you know what, I don't have to like them. I don't want to like them and I don't need to change. And that's really where we hit that ceiling is, is that problem is the internal baby boomer generation is like, this works for me. I don't want to learn something new. And through all the studies I've done in the research and interviews, that's the point that I keep coming back to. I even get this, guys. I even pierced my nose on the left side. And after I grew my hair out, it was harder for them to see. But I pierced my nose for the reason that I wanted to disrupt my audience when they saw me because they they would automatically go you know what that whole image of what you look like and that you know what people's first impression are got changed when they i have men come up and they were in their 50s and 60s and go why would you do that to your face and i'm like did it start a conversation with you yes it did because it, it seems to annoy them that people are different yeah. so it's really so all right so 
then it sounds to me like it's a leadership training that helps people come to terms with the fact that different is good. Is that, is that the case? Absolutely. But it's educating leaders and helping them understand why the change is necessary. I worked with a, a, a global client out in the middle of nowhere, um, out close to Boston, and their engineers were turning over as fast as they got them onboarded. And it was very expensive to hire them. And I met with the leadership team first. And I was like, okay, your company's been in business over 200 years. It employs your kids, probably going to be your grandkids. Do you want this company to be around 200 more? And they're like, absolutely, of course. And I said, well, you're the main employer other than Frito-Lay in this town. And if you keep running off these young millennial engineers, you're not going to be able to have a company and an organization. And that light bulb moment for them, that was their aha moment. So that was their reason. You know, we talk about the WIFM statement, what's in it for me? Millennials have that, but also answering that for leadership and saying, this is what's in it for you if you are willing to make this mind shift. So yeah. there's so there's a, there's a lot going on with the, um, you know, again, the, the baby boomers um, are out there. I mean, just to, to give everybody kind of the generations, we've got baby boomers in, in the labor market. Uh, were there some veterans, which is that group that's born, the pre-World War II group that might have been born in, uh, let's say, 40, you know, from 35 to 40. Those are usually the grandparents or so. Um, but the baby boomers are, uh, you know, oldest baby boomers are, are now, you know, 70. I mean, they're approaching. 74. Uh, they, yeah, they should be retired. Uh, but they're not because we're we're never going to retire. <laughs> Many of us nope. will. Well, we'll never for whatever reason. Uh, and then you have the the Keiths of the world, who's a Gen X. Uh, and you know what's surprising is just as you said, uh, you know the oldest millennials are are 38 or 40. Uh, when I mention that to people, they they're shocked and they go, Oh no no, they're 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 really great employees, and not the people in their 30s. Uh, so there, I, again, people tended to stereotype, I, I think a lot of people and, and the old millennials and the young millennials are, are very, very different. Uh, and, and, and we see that, I mean, now, now we have the, the Gen Z complaining about millennials, millennials complaining, or Gen X is complaining about the millennials, Gen millennials complain about Gen Z and that, that goes on, you know, for forever. So what are some of the, sir, what are some of the things when you, when you go out and you, when you get called in, I'm sure you've had similar situations to me. Um, you get called and say, listen, could you come in and, and teach our managers how to work with millennials or how, how should they talk to millennials? What, what, what's your approach? Cause I actually don't do a lot of the training. I wrote about it, but, uh, what, what do you actually do? Well, first of all, after I wrote Ties to Tattoos first edition, I started doing more research because my background is HR. I've been in HR 25 years. And so what, what started me interested in these generations back then is probably similar to you. I saw it as something unusual, something was going on in the workplace that I didn't understand. But after the first edition, I really came up with a lot of what we have as our generational DNA, which is our year of birth and our generational personality. And so I share that a lot with my audiences and, and with my leadership teams I'm, I'm speaking to so that we'd stop looking at you're a millennial. So I'm actually a Gen Xer by age, but I act more like a baby boomer at times. So that's my generational personality. And that's based on life events, cultural things that happened, our personality. Um, and so that helps them understand, stop putting people in that one bucket, first of all. And then um, I go into talking to them about like what, 
what is the advantage of bringing on, you know, this different generation and the things that are positive and the small changes that they might have to make just to open their mind to be able to really engage and employ this next generation? Because they are our next generation of leaders. They are our leaders now. How are we going to help integrate them? And, and I show them when we talk about, you guys were talking about some of the metrics around HR. Well, on average, millennials leave their job 10.2 times before they're 35. Well, the reason is, baby boomers, we've created career ladders, and every time we get a new promotion, we go up the ladder until we get to the top. Well, that's what took us 20 or 30 years in our one role responsibility. Millennials like to build a lattice framework of experience. And, and new opportunities. So they don't necessarily have to leave if organizations are willing to look at it as a lattice framework and help them understand when they start getting to a place where they've mastered that skill or that job, give them something else to do instead of letting them leave because they're taking with them all of that onboarding, the training, getting them ready, and now all of a sudden they're going across the street. It's usually not because they don't like their leader. It's usually because they're bored. And, and I've been struggling with this for years. I mean, there, there is this whole thing about employee loyalty. People just aren't as loyal as they are. Uh, but employers, when you think about it, I mean, beginning in the, in the 70s, you know, when I finished school, 70s, 80s, 90s, and then it just accelerated, was how many companies um, merged, got acquired, went bankrupt, went out of business. Uh, people worked for 25, 30, 35, 40 years, lost their pensions. Um, they got, um, uh, you know, what not, it was, not that it was outsourcing, but uh, basically early retirement benefits, a lot of severance packages. Uh, you know, p- companies bailed on, on people, but the millennials entered the workforce just was all that was happening. And I, I remember writing my book and, and my daughter, who's actually a, a Gen X, uh, you know, said, why would you ever work for a company longer than five years? There you go. Precisely. Yeah, but millennials have seen it even harder. Think about what their home life is like. Baby boomers are the leaders in the divorce rate. So they are the parents of millennials, typically. And so they've been working so hard to have things, you know. I joke with some of my uh, clients that like to move people around and transfer them. It takes 30 to 90 days minimum to even get a baby boomer to consider relocating and then they got to empty their three storage units their boats their cars (laughs) their house their community you know all of that and you talk to a millennial and they're like hey yeah sign me up i'm gone tomorrow my friends and my family come with me so millennials are a lot more open to these new experiences because what they saw with their baby boomer parents is they work the same job for 30 or 40 years then they get laid off parents get divorced once if not twice and so maybe now the kids don't have, they don't have money for their kids' college. So now millennials are taking on that financial responsibility as well as watching their parents get divorced and laid off and go through very tough financial times. So why would they want to do it like we did it? And again, I, I talk about myself as a boomer, but why would they? That's not very attractive. I think they're very smart for wanting to do it differently. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, Keith. I was going to ask, what, and, and maybe this is getting a little ahead of the curve here, but what are the ba- what are the what are the millennials telling you? You know uh, uh, the the conversation so far, which is only a couple minutes long, but you know we're talking about our maybe our, the perspective of looking down to the millennials to get to their level. So let's just say we're at their level. What are they saying based on the idea that, in my humble opinion, 
because I've led teams of millennials. And as a, a software sales rep, I, I work with a whole lot of millennials. If you give them direction and feedback 80% of the time, and then for the remaining 20%, ask them to figure out ways to make the company the best in the world. As far as I could tell, it, it, that's what it takes. That's what millennials thrive on. What is it that they're saying back to you? What are you seeing that from them that's the actual special sauce? Yeah. So what I'm hearing from millennials, like, yeah, you're right, the secret sauce, the special sauce, it is they're talking about the fact that they want their leaders to walk the talk. You know, and, and it's like a sales thing. We, we put a job ad out there and we hire someone and our recruiters do the best they can. They say this is what the job is going to look like. But then it's almost like they feel duped because when they get to the job, the job isn't really the same. So that's one of the first issues is um, making sure what you're selling matches what you're offering. So you can reduce a lot of your immediate turnover with that. And they're also looking at the fact that they are eager to learn. You know, we used to get asked in interviews, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, we might've had an answer. Millennials are like 10 years, please. I'm looking next year. So instead of asking that question, they're saying, why don't you ask me about what I'm interested in? You know, and so that helps you build a way to work with them. They do want the flexibility to make some mistakes with some bumper pads. And that's, that's exactly it. They have, I call it the popcorn brain. And I'm now 51. I don't have that popcorn brain where new ideas are always going off in my head nearly as much as they used to. But millennials are. That's why they're asking the why question so much. They're not asking why because they're being disrespectful. They're asking why because they're interested. They haven't been in the same industry doing the same job for 30 or 40 years. So we need to harness that energy, that creativity, and, and allow them to have a format and a place to share their ideas and what they've discovered on their own when you set them free to go out and work on a project with a few parameters. They want their feedback to be honest, authentic, not just right. thank you, not just thank you or good job. Thanks for showing up today. Yeah, and it seems, and I know we're coming up on the break here, but it seems like the the millennials, you, you're the the macro challenge is that change is not easy to do on a, on a corporate level, on in any real size company. Uh, however, I feel like these millennials are way smarter. And way more capable. We we talk about how maybe the gig economy might do that hockey stick thing, where if I'm if I'm trained in some capacity inside of an organization and I'm 27 or 33, you know what? Maybe I can make enough of a living that I can set my own schedule, and I don't need to be exclusively tied to any one company. And it seems like again, not to sound like a broken record, but it doesn't seem like it's that hard to fix this challenge, but yet companies aren't doing it. And I think they're going to run out of time before millennials, or maybe there's just enough millennials. That it's not. No, that I think they're running out of time. But also at the other side, think about how many um, baby boomers we have retiring a day. They say on average 10,000. So baby boomers, they have a, a wealth of knowledge in their industry. Well, they leave. And if an organization hasn't developed a mentorship program, with a millennial and the baby boomer, the baby boomer leaves, takes all their knowledge capital with them because they feel like that's what makes them valuable. They don't want to share it with anybody because they're afraid they'll lose their job, but then they retire and then they become your consultant and they charge you twice as much. 
Right. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on, employers. Think about this. Get the goods from them before they go. Make it a win-win situation with millennials. And then you're going to present millennials the opportunity to continue to develop from a stronger place. For for thirty years we've been we've been struggling with this. Everyone recognized that the baby boomers would eventually uh, retire, and yet knowledge transfer and mentoring and coaching is still a, a hot topic. So we're going to continue this conversation about millennials, uh, Generation Z, all the generations, and how we can make a better workplace. You are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're with our guest Sherry Elliott Yuri. Uh, we've got Keith Compagna, my co-host. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, you're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chatbots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. And welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, with Keith Compagna, and our special guest is Sherry Elliott-Yuri. We are talking about millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, baby boomers, uh, what's going on in the workplace. So, Sherry, uh, I, we had a little conversation, um, you know, during the break as well. Uh, still puzzled by why we're still talking about millennials, but we are. Uh, I guess that, uh, you know, last year, just about this time, Keith, I think it was, when Jason Pfeiffer was on the show. Uh, Jason yep. is the uh, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, and he... Uh, he actually contacted me because I had an article's uh, confessions of a recovering millennial basher. And uh, so he traced, um, you know, one of the issues and it's not just millennials, but going back to every younger generation is always the brunt of um, all the uh, of everything wrong with society uh, going back to B.C., uh, but, you know, again, uh, people, you know, uh, people like Chaucer and Shakespeare and um, the Roosevelt. Um, I mean, everybody's been talking about this for 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 not just generations, but literally centuries, millennial uh, millennium uh, uh, about, the, you know, the younger generation. What's wrong with it? So, Jerry, the I, I I guess where I had my awakening and. You know, I, I realize that, you know, talking about generations is, is you know, it does kind of push you into the trap of being a, um, a stereotype. But when I don't, I mean, I, I, 
one drink, uh, the joke is if I have like two glasses of wine, I'm out. I, I, I don't get drunk. I just go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but when we go out to eat, we, you know, I, I, a lot of times we'll sit at the bar uh, and just have a sandwich. And I do it for conversation. And, and behind the bar is, is oftentimes uh, young people. And I was, you know, as, as I heard the complaints of everybody, how lazy they were, they, they were living in their parents' basements. Um, and now it's, it's actually the reverse. A lot of parents are living with their, with their kids, um, you know, because of the, uh, 10 years ago, we had the uh, Great Recession. But I'd listen to them. And, you know, here they were working, you know, as a waiter, as a server behind the bar. And they're talking about um, they were either still in school or they were going to grad school. Uh, this was a second job. So they had a full time job. They were going to school. They were working a part time job and they were investing in uh, either starting a business uh, very entrepreneurial, or they were investing in real estate. They were they were buying the properties that they were living in. It's like maybe the employers, because of the attitude, are fight are attracting kind of the wrong people. Because every generation has people that aren't motivated and and uh, you know have different expectations. I, I, I mean, ha, is along your way? I mean, since you're you're even closer to them than me, um, has the millennial generation is just so entrepreneurial um, and they do seem to have, um, you know, again, multiple jobs. They're, they're not doing a four year career. They're doing a, or a four year college education. They're doing a 10 year sometimes because that's affordable. Uh, but they sort of evolve along with that. I mean, or am I the exception or is that is that sort of becoming the norm of what their path is? Yeah, I think they're starting, and you're right. They are they are all over the place. They're very entrepreneurial, and um, they are very hardworking. It's just a matter of tapping into what matters to them. And, you know, I look at now, we have millennials that are really dedicated that, you know, I have stepdaughters that actually balance their own checkbook. I got to admit, guys, I don't even do that myself, hardly. And I've got a degree in accounting. And so <laughs> I look at that, and I go, wow. These girls are very responsible and they're holding off getting married. I mean, millennials are waiting till their 30s to get married because they've seen what their parents experienced. So they're mm -hmm. like, well, you know what? Right now I'm going to live in my apartment or live with somebody else. And then they, the only reason they really buy houses now is for their dog, typically <laughs> for their pet. And so they're, that's why we see even in DFW, there's a lot of apartment complexes saying, bring Fido here, you know, and having all these fun amenities because they are marketing to the millennial and that's what they're looking for. Easy, quick, and they can all also be affordable so that they, they have that. They don't need to be down in a home just for the sake of having a home. Like we look at it as more of a, right. well, we live here, we have a nice home. They're looking at it as an investment in their future, not right. something that they plan on being in forever. Well, let's so what are Oh, oh, go, ahead, Eric, go ahead. So no, you go first and I'll hit it. So what do companies need to do? I mean, so, you know, whether I'm, I'm the small business owner, whether, whether I'm, uh, you know, part of an executive team and we're having this discussion, what do we need to do to attract millennials? What do we need to do? I mean, what, what, what are some of the strategies that you suggest that, uh, companies and leaders, um, change? Yeah, one of the one of the fun opportunities I had as I was writing Ties to Tattoos is I did all the hiring for Windstar World Casino here in the um, DFW Oklahoma area, and we had to get 1,900 people. 
um, within a year. And Oklahoma, uh, this little town in Oklahoma had a population of 478. So unless I hired everybody three times, times <laughs> five, times six, plus look at turnover, I was in trouble. So what we started doing is I asked the people that actually came to this little town of Thackerville why they came. And we were able to build a platform for recruiting millennials based on what we heard from the people who are already working for us. So asking the people who are working for you, why do they stay? What, what matters to them? And you can turn that around and use that as part of your recruitment strategy. And, and some of it is, you know, millennials are thinking they're going to leave their job. 30% plan to leave their job in the next year. Well, but 91% of them think that they won't stay at their job for more than three years. That's a big difference. And knowing that they want flexible work schedules. Millennials don't have to be traditional in the eight to five. I used to remember when I was head of HR for a staffing company, I wouldn't send that last um, email until I got to the bottom of the elevator because then my boss would know I was there till 9.01 p.m. on my Blackberry, right? Um, millennials look at that and they go, what's wrong with you? Can't you get your job done like in normal hours? And that's really what it is. Our way of looking at things as different generations is something that that's not how they look at it. They can go to work during the day, and then they can also jump back on the computer at night. So honoring that flexibility, getting away from job descriptions and go to a role. What is their role? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And making sure you, you, you track it and their metrics are based on their contribution, not how the job responsibilities would look for someone else because they may be able to get it done faster, quicker, more efficient. So you have to look at it as a unique opportunity of getting away from that mentality of job descriptions and nine to five butts in seats and start thinking differently because they are eager to learn. They are team oriented. Get rid of the walls. Let's have some more community spaces. And I'm seeing some of the employers doing that and it really is exciting. What kind of employers have you, have you noticed that are more receptive to this kind of change? Because, I, I mean, I'll admit it, you're the authority on this, uh, but I've got this strange notion that this isn't going away. You know, uh, it's not like the generation behind Generation Z is not using technology to gain access and expand their mind and see things in almost a system systematic approach any less than the, pre the, you know, the, the generations before them. What companies, uh, what industries, what kind of leaders are recognizing that this is not going to happen if they don't make it happen? It's interesting because I have seen um, some of my clients more in the oil and gas area um, in specific positions like engineers and, and so on have been very receptive to, okay, this has been a very traditional workplace. This is the way we've always done it. And they're more willing and open. I just finished doing some work with Nissan and they need a lot of new people on their line for their cars, 4,000 new employees. And they finally got to a place where they were willing to do it different. Like you, millennials couldn't bring their phone to the line when they got to work. They didn't realize that that was like a danger to be on an assembly line with their cell phone in their hands. So they were open to creating these, you know, other open spaces where they could have frequent breaks to go, you know, play video games and, and interact with each other. And they were really open to that. And so it's really great to see that I've started seeing some different ones in education, some in engineering, some in the car manufacturing. I think what's happening across the board is organizations are going, we can't keep affording 
this kind of turnover, there's got to be a way to connect with this generation. It's not that hard. So, hey, we, I, and I'm checking, I got my uh, LinkedIn uh, profile pulled up here as well, uh, just checking for comments and things and activity. So from Christine, um, there was this nice comment. This is an absolutely awesome podcast. So thank you, Christine. Uh, I'm an Xer. I'm challenged on connecting with the millennials and Gen Z. What I consider disrespect uh, they are merely being who they are and how they choose to look and move forward with their careers. Um, that falls in line with just what you were saying. Uh, and, you know, certainly uh, I think when you're looking at um, m- millennials or Gen Z and even baby boomers who who are, are looking to extend their careers or, uh, you know, finish out their career is people are looking for more authenticity, um, you know, that humanness part of it. Yeah. So that's being authentic, being more transparent no more of this once a year, you know, behind this once a year performance review, if you were lucky enough to even get one. Uh, salary was always this big secret. Don't share with with, you know, what's going on. And everybody knew what was going on. So there was this layer, you know, this fake layer of transparency. And, uh, you know, the millennials just demand it. And part of it, that's the world they grew up in. It's not that they they challenged it. They were born into a world where with social media, they don't know a world without technology, without accelerating change. Uh, when I speak, uh, I always bring up, you know, I, I show a rotary phone and, mm-hmm. and I ask how many people ever use the rotary phone. And I'm sure you've seen this, Jerry. Um, you know, there was a clip out there, like two young guys. I don't know if they were millennial or Gen Z, but two young guys with the teacher. And he was trying to ha- have them. Uh, how do you use a, uh, a rotary phone? How do you make a phone call yeah. with the rotary phone? Yeah. And it's it's funny, but people say, you know, millennials are really stupid. I go, they've never used it. I mean, to, th- to think about it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a minor thing. But frankly is, how would you use a rotary phone? Why would, you know, ha- you have 10 digits. It would take you forever. Why was operator 911? You know, I mean, it, it was just silly. It didn't even make sense. But that's the way it was for for decades. Uh, but there are so many other examples of things that we knew and we took for granted that millennials and Gen Z were just never, ever exposed to. Never. It's true. And I, uh, I, I'll add to that uh, quickly. You know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a more common, more popular thought leader out there and he talks a lot about really seizing the opportunity of the marketplace. And he had made a comment that where he basically said how he's encouraging his children to dive into technology because that's the world they live in. And he speaks very, very upfront. That's the world we live in. (laughs) Right. But the point is you have people talking about how their kids should only have so much screen time. And and yes, believe me, personally, my kids know what it's like to have fresh air in their lungs. And and we we monitor how much screen time they get. But it's not because I don't want them to be acclimated to the future of, of technology. It's because it's sunny outside and it's a beautiful world, and you can get that unbelievable mixture of of great ideas with you know a natural environment just as much as you could when you're uh, when you're behind a computer or in front of a screen. So, I just think it speaks to the idea that companies need to start. It's, it just feels like to me companies need to just get real, get consultants, and get busy figuring out how to change everything that they do, because if they don't, you know, 
they're going to wind up, I don't know, you tell me, well, Sherry, is, is it really doomsday to a, for a company if they decide they're going to sit on their hands with this one? Well, it will be because millennials are now, you know, almost half of the workforce, you know, when you look at it. And so over the next five years, well, if you're going to want to keep paying your baby boomers uh, as they've left and they've become consultants and your millennials are leaving all the time, you're never going to have the opportunity. Like think of, you know, I go to my favorite grocery store to my favorite dry cleaners. If the person behind the table is keeps turning over, I'm not going to think I want to keep coming back to this establishment. So it also affects your customer experience. So not only all the HR metrics and so on and the doing it, but just think about the customer experience. Keep your, your millennial employees um, at your organization with that much turnover. It, it's, it's absolutely huge. So, yeah, and I, I bring that out often, you know, the projection is by 2025, uh, uh, somewhere between 65 and 75 percent of the workforce will be millennials. What, you know, and, and I found this over the years is we, we still sort of get stuck on time and think of the millennials as always young. But in five years, they're going to be almost 45 years old. Um, and and they 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 will be in leadership, and they will be you know they will there's so many entrepreneurial businesses and and uh, so many new businesses, and when we talk about the technology that's going to take place, uh, the the future is going to be just unrecognizable. Sherry, I know you've got um, we're we're running out of time here. We're getting to the end as we always do. We we can probably have three hour shows and still not cover everything we want to talk about. Uh, but I know cracking the the millennial code is your first book in a series, so. Um, can, can you briefly tell everyone about that and then how they can get they can get a hold of you and how they can get copies of the book? Sure, certainly. So as I said, I um, decided to write a new series called Crack the Millennial Code. And each one of the books is one's on marketing. The first book that came out is on marketing to millennials. So still Crack the Millennial Code. And the second one is managing millennials. And I have a great friend up in Canada who developed this really interesting interview technique for millennials that is like turning the HR world on storm. And so I've included that in the second book um, that'll be coming out next month. And the third book of Crack the Millennial Code is how to motivate. So market, manage, and motivate millennials. And I put them in smaller books this time because what I've been getting back is leaders want quick information. And so the books are like 15 to 20,000 words and it makes it a lot easier to mm-hmm. digest and it's not so overwhelming as yeah, it micro was learning. when I did ties to tattoos. Yeah, micro learning next year. Yes. You'll need to put them in a video too. <laughs> so yes. we, should, we should talk about that uh, as well. So what are, what's some uh, kind of final words of advice uh, for, for companies? Yeah, um, to embrace the millennial generation and find an advantage of how you can work with them to increase your collaboration and reduce your collision. And that's really the bottom line. It's just be authentic, connect with them and make some minor modifications so that you can ensure that you are building the workforce, not just for today, but of the future. I, I like that. Co- collaborate, don't collide. Right? Yes. That's one of my speeches, bridging the generational gap collaboration so, versus collision. Wonderful. And uh, they can get to you from, I, I know, your websites, LinkedIn. Yeah, they can LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter, Sherry Elliott Yuri, or my website is generationalguru.com and crackthemillennialcode.com. So they can reach either one of those or sharingwithshare.com. 
Well, thanks awesome. very much. I know you, uh, you you said you flew back from Canada, so we'd have a good connection. I appreciate that. Um, and it, it was it was definitely we, we had a great connection. Uh, appreciate uh, all your advice. Good luck with the the new books. Uh, my uh, recruiting in the age of Googleization should be out in um, uh, December, hopefully December as a second edition as well. So I know you're wow. you're uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been good. So we're we're talking. We'll we'll continue our our conversation out there for sure. Wonderful. Thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank you. Great conversation. Yeah. Keith. And good luck. Yeah. Keith. Closing words. It's amazing to me, dude. Like, honestly, I don't know what to do. It's, it's, there's so much opportunity for business leaders to, it's almost feels, it's starting to feel like it's an ego play where companies are, are, are they really unaware of the opportunity they have just by being a little bit adventurous? You can't tell me they don't have the money. You can't tell me they don't have the time. Because without doing these things, you know, and, 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 and it kind of falls in line with everything else we talked about. Without doing these things now, you're never going to succeed later. The world has changed. The shift has hit the plan. And I, it just blows my mind that uh, it's not – I mean I guess maybe that's what we're doing this, right? We're creating awareness and we're, and we're getting people out there that may be so busy doing their day-to-day stuff that there, you know, there's opportunities for you to make quick moves – and change the way your company performs. And, you know, the, 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 the best thing about it is you don't have to be perfect because there's so many companies not doing it. You just have to be better. You just have to improve. And, uh, again, it goes back to the same thing. It's, 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 it's making the effort, uh, keeping an open mind. You know, we, and in fact, that's what we're talking about in half hour on my webinar about curiosity, yep. Yep. having an open mind, being willing to grow. And, so, and you know, to, to the millennials out there that are out there listening, one – Thank you. Keep coming back because this stuff has got you in mind. But two, don't lose confidence. Know that if you work hard and you stay focused, there will be a boss or a company that you partner with and you'll get the profit, you'll get the passion, and all the good things will come to you. Don't let the, don't let the old heads. Better uh, yet, they destroy. will be the boss. Yeah, so exactly. many of them are. Many of them are. They're they're incredible. The ideas and uh, the new companies and solutions uh, that they're coming up with, and and I am very confident that uh, the millennials will help save the world because goodness knows we we need it after the baby boomers. Yeah. So, hey. Th- hey. We're almost up against the end here. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, Thanks for sharing what's on your mind. If you've got new topics, uh, questions, concerns, uh, things you want us to talk about, please let us know. You can contact Keith or myself on LinkedIn. You can go up to the website, Geek Skeezers Googleization, uh, and uh, join Googleization Nation. Uh, thanks again to uh, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. Don't forget to join us next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, W4CY.com. And catch all our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, SoundCloud. Um, I'm not sure who I missed, but there's about 30 of them <laughs> that, that you can get it on. Uh, until the next episode of Geek Skeezers Googleization, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. 